are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. This week, joining you from Racine, Wisconsin, where I'm on the road doing some consulting. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. And it was originally inspired by the meaning work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I get to do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to my guest in just a moment, but first, a thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally-focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, you can always catch it on the, on the recorded podcast. We were on the air with Shanti Rajaram. She is the principal and co-founder of Amazek Solutions in the Dallas area. We talked about how she began her career not having a clue as to what her purpose was, her experience of coming from India and working in both large and startup company environments, and how she's gone about developing her business over the last 10 years since she founded it. She talked about the importance of being comfortable with failure as a business person and as a business owner. It was a very grounded and humble interview she gave, much to learn from her. With us this week is Sheila Lieberman, who is the former founder and owner of RPH On The Go USA, a company that was, when she sold it in June of 2008, was the largest pharmacist staffing company in the U.S. Today, she is an independent health, wellness, and fitness professional and enjoys using her healthcare knowledge and desire to help others realize good health in many ways, including a focus on bridging the gap between Western and holistic medicine for people in search of living healthier lives. We'll be talking about how she came to found and grow her company, the lessons she learned along the way, and advice she might have for those of you listening who want to do the same for yourselves, and what she's up to today in the field of healthcare. She joins us today from the Evanston area, which is just out, which is within the Chicago area of Illinois. Sheila, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you. So great to have you. Um, I was so happy when one of our, our common friends said, you know who you should have on the show is Sheila. And when I found out about your story, Sheila, I really was very inspired by that. I think our guests will be too. I think you have a lot to share and a lot to draw from. So I want to get as much out of you as I can while we're on the air in this short hour. So I do want to spend some time talking about the company that you founded and, of course, have since sold. And since my show is called Working on Purpose and I care about meaning, I kind of want to start by kicking us off um, talking about your, you had a, a purpose and a vision statement that I know you were very, very proud of, and you used that. And we'll talk about how you started the company and all that kind of thing. But just to kick us off there, tell us, if you will, it was, it was a purpose, vision, and mission statement. Will you tell us what it was and why it was so important to how you went about developing and running your company? So the purpose of our business, well, first of all, purpose is why you exist. Yep. So we, we actually had our management team read a book uh, called um, Built to Last, and it was actually a book about companies that had different purpose, vision, and missions and core values and how some made it and some didn't. And part of it was that had to do with their purpose, vision, and mission. So our, we decided 
we got together as a team and we read the book and we decided to make our purpose future, love, and family. And our vision was to be at the forefront of the service economy. Uh, We did that for a reason because we didn't know if we would get out of only do pharmacy. We wanted to be very general. And uh, it turned out we did pharmacy technicians and we dabbled in a couple of other physical therapists, very little. But, you know, so this like opened it up that we could do anything in the service economy, even though at that time it was, we were very small. And the last was total quality. And then we also uh, had core values. And I don't remember all of them. There were about 10. It's been 10 years. So, But one of them was integrity. Another one was tapping into the potential of our employees. And they were also very important. Um, in this book, it talks about the core values and that companies that stick to their core values and their core values that are meaningful actually uh, last. And we made a lot of our decisions based on our core values, especially the integrity. I think that's probably the most important thing that a company can have. Hmm. You know what I'm, what's, what's happening for me as I listen to you, Sheila, is I'm really thinking about how, how intentionally it sounds like you created your culture. And of course I applaud that, right? Doing the work that we do, we do so much work with organizations to help them first discover what kind of culture have they maybe accidentally found themselves in <laughs> and how might they want to change that for the better. The fact that you were so intentional about how you crafted it, I think is just really phenomenal, especially when you created your business way back then. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, you're welcome. Well, I, uh, yeah, and then morning, I, at, later on, I think it was about in, uh, when we had about 50 people in the office, we actually had a contest and had people write down what that meant to them, future love and family, and then we picked one that we thought was right. So we actually included the whole office eventually and. What we, what, you know, because it's kind of a general statement, and what did we mean? So we let everybody in the office tell us what they thought it meant, and then they voted on the best one. So that was kind of fun. Mm. Of course, what I love about that, too, Sheila, is that means that what you've really done is you've enrolled everyone in that process. You didn't just tell them this is what it's going to be. You enrolled them, and that's so much more powerful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about this. I mean, I really want to be able to tell your story, Sheila, because I think you've got a really great one to be able to tell. But before we get into you actually how you actually founded your company, I always like to hear a bit about your background. So before you founded your company, um, RPH On The Go USA, you were, you were working as a pharmacist. Is that right? Well, there's probably a lot more. Yeah, that. yeah. So can I mean, you, I did work as a pharmacist, a if you would. Yeah, of what, I, what I you graduated were doing in '78 as a pharmacist and started my business in 1980. But I think it's important to to know that. Um, first of all, I was almost 40 when I started my business, and my background uh, was interesting because I had a bachelor's degree in chemistry, and then I ended up getting a master's degree in pharmaceutical chemistry at the pharmacy school. So I had, so I knew a lot of pharmacists. I used to, uh, had, I was a lab assistant. I did some of the classes for the students. So I, I didn't realize it yet, but it was kind of a precursor because now I knew all these pharmacists from the 60s. And then uh, I eventually went back to school when my kids were two and five and um, got my pharmacy degree, which was like a course or two every quarter. Most of students were going like morning till night, but because I had all the 
pharmacy courses and a lot of the precursors, you know, the prerequisites for pharmacy, I didn't have to take too much. It still took me, I think it took me three years. And so then I graduated in 1978 from pharmacy school. So I did it backwards. I got my bachelor's degree, my master's, and then got another bachelor's in pharmacy. So, and then I worked as a chemist before I became a pharmacist um, uh, for Whitco Chemical Company for about a year. And uh, so, so it was kind of an unusual background to become, uh, to be a businesswoman. And, uh, and then while I ran my business, I worked uh, a couple of different pharmacy jobs and did my business in mornings, nights, and weekends. So anyway, <laughs> so that's kind of the background before I started my business in, 1970, in, 70, in 1980, uh, officially. So. Okay. I want to ask another question. I'm just going to get to what's behind that in just a second. But first, let's get into that. Why did you start your company? I mean, here you were working all these other jobs. What was it that made you actually go on to found RPH on the Go USA? Well, I started doing relief. Well, first of all, I had a job at OSCO for a while. And then I had a job in a durable medical equipment store for about two years. And I had two little kids. Mm-hmm. And I and then one summer I decided I'm just going to work when I want, so I have time with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I knew a lot of people. I knew a lot of guys from the '60s when I was in pharmacy school as, as a getting my master's degree that had owned independent stores. Some of them had three or four stores. So I called them and I got like a week here, a week there, and so I started to see how how nice this is for people, you know, that you, I could work when I want, I could be home with the kids when I wanted. And so I thought this is a pretty good idea, but I hadn't really been, I wasn't yet ready to, you know, start the business. I thought, oh, I'll just get a full-time job in the fall. However, people started calling me. And instead of getting a full-time job, I had people calling me and wanting me to work. I thought, oh, this this could be a business. So I got these flyers made, <laughs> and off I went to the pharmacy convention, and I just passed out flyers, and I said, you know, RPH on the go, and this is who we are. And so that's how I started my business. <laughs> and oh, then, my gosh. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Shelley, go ahead. I, was, did you ask me, um, let's see. I wanted to ask you, what was it, well, I, I, first let me ask you, if, if you don't mind, if this is not too personal, if it is, then just say I don't want to talk about it. You said I had two kids. Were you on your own back then? Well, I, I got divorced when I, got, when I graduated pharmacy school in 1978. Wow, wow, so, okay, so I let's make sure you were on your own I was married while I went through pharmacy school, <laughs> and then after I graduated, I got divorced, and, and so I, I had the, I just held the quotes, yeah. Okay, so that's another important thing to have in here, I think, Sheila, in terms of who you are and what you bring to the table. It's clearly you are a woman who doesn't know doesn't know how to let a little small thing like a divorce or being on your own stop you. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and then along those lines, too, when you and I spoke on the phone, you gave me a little bit of color about this. But for our listeners who haven't heard this from you, what was the experience like in 1980 when you were surrounded by few other female entrepreneurs and no pharmacist staffing companies? What was it like for you to get started? Well, a couple things. Um, when I started, well, I had people that 
told me it would never be a business. I even had an accountant friend who told me, oh, this will never be a business. So I didn't have a lot of people saying that it was going to happen. And um, when I called pharmacies to do my marketing, it was so interesting. Like I'd call and I'd say, uh, you know, whatever, this is RPH on the go. Uh, do you need a temporary pharmacist? And they go, a what? We never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And then also they'd say things like, um, what do you got? Only retired people? You know, they couldn't believe that people would work relief work. And I, so I really had to prove to, to, to the pharmacies that I had good people to work. And I did a lot of the work myself for the first five years. Um, actually, until I... Um, until I, I that's where coaches come in so important. I did a workshop called um, Empowering Your Career. Mm-hmm. And the lady that led the workshop based a, based a workshop on a book called What Colors Your Parachute? And it yeah. was, you know about that, yeah. And so what I saw was it's, it's about what you did as a child and how the qualities that you have as, as you're, when you're young actually come natural as an adult and that's the best way to, to the best way to create something. And I saw that this business was unnatural for me. I love connecting people. I was a people person, and so I actually, for the first time, made a commitment. I was kind of dabbling at it from for the first five years. You know, I'd do some of the work. I'd have a couple people working, and when I made the commitment, everything shifted. It was mm-hmm. so interesting. It was from that. I think. You've probably heard the, the girthy uh, commitment. Uh, until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness, and it goes on. Concerning yeah. all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elemental truth, the ignorance of which co- kills countless ideas and splendid pan- plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. And there's more, but that's what happened. It's once I made the commitment... Pharmacies started calling me, sometimes ones that I had called, and, and they called back without me even making the calls. So that's really important, the commitment. It's huge. I think that's a Goth. Um, it's, it's from Goth, they, right? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe Goth, Goth, maybe it's Goth. Forgive me, I may mean as well. But um, what made you think it was going to work? I mean, I understand that you, once you got your head around to the place of commitment, we totally get that in the work that we do. Boy, commitment is so important. But before that, you still believed in it. What made you believe this was a viable concept? Well, I knew there was a need. I knew there was a need out there. I, I actually... Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just knew there was a shortage and people needed help. It was just a matter of doing it. And there was people out there. I think the other thing was finding the people. There were people out there that weren't happy with their jobs. There were people that even worked for a chain store. I have one guy that worked for a chain store, and, and he, he just said, you know, if you can get me work, I'm quitting. I hate this. I want to be able to. And you know, I know what the big thing was. I just thought of it. It was appreciation. The people that work for me love to work because they got appreciated. The guy that worked for the, whatever, the chain store, even the independent, and worked all the hours and the boss would say, I want to go to the uh, to a ball game Saturday. I need you to work. And then they'd work. 
But when they called me and they wanted someone on that Saturday for their baseball game, they would be so appreciative. If you work there, you you got to do it. But if you do it as a as a special deal, you know, okay, I'm going to help you, that you get appreciated. And people mm-hmm. really want to be appreciated. That's what was missing in the chain stores and the hospitals. Got it. Well, I totally understand that, because for years I've done a lot of employee engagement survey and consulting work. And generally speaking, the number one thing people say that they want from their work is to feel valued and appreciated. The number one thing. So you've definitely hit on something that (laughs) you were way ahead of your time, Sheila, way ahead of your time to be able to figure this stuff out the way you did. I mean, I I had enough stories that I realized I had one lady that um, worked at a hospital and she called and she said, I have six weeks vacation. They won't give me any time off. If I quit, can you give give me work? I want to go to, I want to go to, um, I forgot where it was, someplace in Spain. And then I'm going to come back. If you can give me work, I'm quitting. She quit. Gone for six weeks, had a ball, came back and worked for me. She was the best hospital pharmacist. Mm, Sheila, what a wonderful... And we really appreciated our people. Yeah, and you I gave a lot her of stories, a but I'll, to... I'll wait until the right time. <laughs> yeah, you gave her a chance to have a meaningful, integrated life, too, is what you did, right? Um, all right, well, believe it or not, we've already ran through our first segment. It's time to go on a break already, Sheila. I told you it was going to go fast. Oh, <laughs> I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Sheila Leiberman, who is the former founder and owner of RPH on the Go USA, a company that when she sold it in, the, in June of 2008 was the largest pharmacist staffing company in the, in the nation. Today, she is an independent health, wellness, and fitness professional. We've been talking a bit about her early years of how she started to found the company, what it was like. After the break, we're going to talk about what she actually accomplished and how she got there. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. 
If you're just joining us, my guest is Sheila Leiberman, who is the former founder and owner of RPH On The Go USA, a company that when she sold it in June of 2008 was the largest pharmacist staffing company in the nation. Today, she enjoys using her healthcare knowledge and the desire to help others realize good health in many ways, including a focus on bridging the gap between Western and holistic medicine for people in search of living healthier lives. She joins us today from Evanston, Illinois, which is just outside, which is inside the Chicago area. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So we got some nice, uh, some really nice foundation, Sheila, as to kind of where you came from with your, with your business and where, how it launched. Next, for this next part here, let's queue up just what you did. I mean, in, you sold your company in June of 2008, and I, if I heard it right, if I got it right, at that time you were operating in 46 states and Guam and the Virgin Islands, and I think you had revenues of like $35 million or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Am I on the right track? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's incredibly impressive, especially for somebody, you know, for an organization where you were told it couldn't be, couldn't possibly be a business. <laughs> and only 20 years yeah. later, that's what you did. Um, so what are, what are some, let's talk about maybe first, what are some of the things that you're most proud of in creating and running RPH on the go? Okay. Um, well, we had an amazing office. We had a really fun office and we took care of our employees. Um, we had um, one of our guys, well, I, I hired people that were really fantastic, smarter than me. And I had one guy that was very creative. He went to Disney and uh, came back with this whole thing where we themed the whole office. So we had um, our salespeople were the producers. We had a big sign. Our accounting department was the vault. Our, <laughs> our pharmacist who qualified, the pharmacist had a department called the farm, P-H-A-R-M. The HR department (laughs) was the garden. They took care of finding all of our, um, uh, making sure our pharmacists were uh, licensed and did a good job. And then we had something called uh, the body room where we had a vibrating chair and weights and people could come in and um, take a break and relax or do some exercise. and we did a lot of nice things for our employees. They really like working for us. We had a flex plan with $1,500 so they could go to chiropractors or take yoga or do meditation or acupuncture. We had an acupuncture in our office once a week. So there was a lot of fun things, and we also gave money for people to do personal growth. That was so important to me because I think that your growth, your personal growth is the most important thing. And so I was really proud of that. When we did well, we'd bring in a massage person. We had great monthly meetings that were with music and and appreciation and acknowledgement. I mean, I, I can t- I know that people really really like working for our company. And we had two or three people that said they would never work in corporate America again, and they work for us. And they were magnificent. They mm. were so they were so capable and so brilliant. And so. I think that's part of it. That's it. Okay. Well, I can still hear the love in your voice, Sheila, when you talk about this. It's still there. I don't know what it was like when you left in 2008, but it is still there today. So I can only imagine what it would, what it, what it would have been like to work for you. Um, and so I get why you had a, a really robust staff, a staff that wanted to work for you. What I'm also curious about, though, is you've know, you got to sell this staffing to somebody who needs it. 
So to what do you attribute all the growth that you were able to, to get to? I mean, $35 million revenue is, is really impressive. How would you do that? Um, well, I, I, I think I'm going to go back to... Um, wait, let me think. Um, so I'm going to go back to the part about hiring these great people. So I had this one lady we hired. Uh, well, oh, I know. I think that it had to do with our, our core values, our integrity, People really trusted us. I know that um, we had um, we had a couple of um, times that we had companies call us, uh, and like for instance, um, let me think. This one company called us and needed help, and my top recruiter, uh, sales lady, she couldn't do anything for him. She called him back. She said, you know, I'm really sorry. I can't find anybody. You need to, why don't you probably need to call some other services? And they said, we have called every service. You are the only ones that called us back. Oh, my god! That was the kind of thing that made our company great. Mm. And then another time, this company, um, this hospital called us. They needed help in New York. You can't, one little small town, one pharmacist, you can't fill a prescription without a pharmacist. They needed someone seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So I basically got on the phone and called everybody. And I, and I even called, and, and I even called some of the services in New York. I figured, you know, I'll work with them. Oh, they've called everybody. No one's going to help them. So then I started calling some of the hospitals, and I said, can I fax something over? I asked the director, so I faxed over this, this um, fax that said, desperately seeking pharmacist, hospital may close. Wow. And I got people to respond, mm-hmm. and we actually covered the hospital for, like, mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things that, that we got a reputation. We knew what we, we didn't let people down. And then the biggie, too, was that we uh, got a bid to, uh, to um, what do you call it, staff all the target pharmacies for vacation, which is a $5 million account. So we went to Minnesota, our company, and we were up against a $6 billion wholesale company. And we made a presentation, and we won the bid. And... That was pretty amazing because they liked what we did. They decided to trust us. Now, the $6 billion wholesaler had bought a small staffing company, so that wasn't their field staffing, but still, you know. Anyway, and then we did that for a year, and then the second year, they came in at this really, really low price. They took the other company. Four months later, we got it back because Mm -hmm. they couldn't get the job done. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I can really appreciate the work that you did, Sheila. I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I really began my human capital career, I guess, almost 18 years ago, 19 years ago, I guess, also um, in staffing augmentation. It was for information technology. I was first an account manager, and then I then I moved into a consulting recruiting role. So uh, I certainly understand how important it is to come through for your clients and know that they can count on you, and I can see exactly why you developed the reputation that you did and had the success that you did. If that's how you did if that's how you did your business consistently, I totally know why you were so successful. Well thank you. Yeah. Well I also you mentioned about what motivates me and I was gonna say I realize that um challenge. <laughs> I love a challenge. Challenge okay. <laughs> that's why those stories are perfect examples. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I love wanna, helping people. That I did want to talk about that a little bit, Sheila, because I, I, I heard the, you talk about you've got two kids, you're on your own, you're divorced, you're going to school, you're, you're, you've created a company, and now you've worked in a couple of jobs on the side to kind of support everything and keep all the balls in the air. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book called Grit by Angela, I think her name is Duckworth. Uh, but boy, to me, you sound like you've got a lot of grit. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, do you, where do you think all that motivation, that personal motivation comes from? You well, said you I, like I a think challenge. it goes along with that, having a challenge and wanting to help people. Okay. And we really helped a lot of people. Even, like, in my health stuff came in there even then. Because even in our office, you know, we, we encouraged people to go to chiropractors. We had this fantastic vitamin that we found that people took. And um, we had meditation. You know, I mean, it wasn't just about working in an office and doing a sales job. You know, it was much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key term, bigger. That, because when you get to bigger, you get to vision, you get to purpose. And then that's when, that's when the energy and motivation comes in. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of challenges, I got to believe along the way, Sheila, that you probably, in the 20 years you ran your business, that you ran into at least a couple challenges. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> can you give us a, a couple examples of some of the things that you had to persevere through or oh. work through? Well, I had, I think, two major challenges that was a really turning point in the business. And um, it's almost embarrassing, actually, because I had, when I first started in the business, I actually got an office in 85, even though I started the business in 80. And I had two uh, two employees that I hired. One was a guy I met that had just, he had just finished his master's degree in social work, and he was very good on the phone, and I trained him, and he was a great salesperson, and he got me uh, one of his friends, and the two of them were doing the sales. There was 10 people in the office at the time. And, um, and but he started, after a couple years, he started acting a little bit paranoid, and my sister came in the office, and she says, um, you know, she said, his name was Art, she said, I work with youth at risk, you know, and I think art's on drugs. And so I thought, so I asked the people in the office, and they said, of course he's doing drugs. Everybody knows it except me. And then, to top it off, him and his person that he asked me to hire, Cynthia, were selling Coke on Saturday out of the office. So I was pretty devastated. I knew I had to fire both of them. And that's what happened. I, I had my accountant is my bodyguard and came in and I, you know, I just said, you know, I know that you've been doing and dealing drugs in the office and that you're fired. So basically, she, he, I did that when he was at lunch and then she left um, and then he came in and then he left. And previous to that, because I found out on a Friday, I had Xeroxed everything in the office, all the papers, because uh, at that time we had computers, but not all the jobs. We had them on bulletin boards and notebooks was 89, and I didn't know if they would take stuff. So anyway, and then to top it off, uh, my accountant said, you know, I get rides home with Cynthia, and you know, she carries a gun in her glove compartment. So the long and short of it was, it was very challenging. It was very scary. I worked from 8 in the morning till midnight. I had a bodyguard at the office. We had to change the locks. I went. To, I slept at my sister's house. I didn't want to be at home. It was It was... A big deal. And eventually, and then she tried, they tried to steal all my 
my uh, accounts because they had they had taken all the names. But basically, the bottom line is when you do something with no integrity, which is what they were doing, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so eventually she did get some jobs, then she didn't pay her people, and it fell apart. But it was pretty scary time for me. Mm-hmm. That was a big challenge. Yeah, hats off for getting through that. How did you get through that? I mean, obviously you didn't you you weren't going to give up your business, I'm sure, but I'm sure it was very very personally demanding. It was very demanding. I had my my sister and a few friends come in to help. We sent letters to all of our pharmacists saying that you can't work. They have agreements that they can't work in the same place that they've worked for us unless in you know through another service. So we had to send letters out to everybody. We called people. We called clients. That's why I was there till all hours of the day. Yeah, it was it was it was very challenging. And then finally, um, I think um, because she didn't pay her people, that it sort of fell apart. And then and then we moved to a new office within a year of that. And then things started to turn around. And then that was done. Although told not totally done because Art actually got a job. There, at that time, there was one other competing service that had started in maybe '86. And so he got a job with them and gave them all our information. And I had to sue him, and I had to get some... Eventually, he got fired because he was doing such illegal stuff, and so she finally fired him. But that way, it, it went along for about a year. It was a little bit challenging, very mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, and these are the things, right? I mean, what we all know is that even if we're not a, uh, an entrepreneur like you, what we all generally know is that you, 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 the challenges that you are presented with, it's really, of course, how you navigate through them that will determine who you are as a human being and how successful you're going to be as a business person. So I really wanted to make sure and talk about these kinds of things, the challenges piece, because you know, a lot of people might just say, well, that's, when you get to the first one, I guess that's when I'm out. I'm done now. I'm I'm going to go back to just easier to just it's just easier just to have a job. Yeah. No? Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I just knew that I had to do this. But um, the next challenge, actually, it gave me a lot of growth and it was pretty scary. I had um, my accountant. We were in a new office now. It was in the '90s, and my I was taking a course at University of Illinois. They had a weekend course for six months. And it was equivalent to a uh, master's in business. And I had never taken a business course. I was a science person. Yeah. I I did sales and I was a people person. Well, the the University of Illinois asked us to bring our financial stuff. And they started looking at my financial stuff and saying, just something doesn't look right. So I started questioning Roy. And the long and short of it was, he was embezzling from the company. Mm -hmm. Lots of money. Wow. And and I found out, actually, because he got arrested. I mean, I knew something was off. But then I found out that he was arrested by the FBI. He had embezzled in a bank in Texas. And so there he was. He's off in jail, and I have 170000 gone from my account. My line of credit tapped out, and nobody knew how to run the... the, the um, the payroll program. We didn't even know if we could pay our pharmacists. We didn't even know if we'd have money. Wow. So it was pretty challenging. Wow. <laughs> and then my believe. lawyer, and then there was no bank statements in the office. He would send our office boy and take him home. And I, I was very, that was a big drawback because I did not have any business background. 
I mm-hmm. I just trusted. And so um, the long and short of it was that um, eventually when I had I found somebody, actually my son's best friend from high school came back, uh, in from the Army, and, and he was able to run the computer program, so he saved the day there. And um, I ended up getting a phenomenal accounting firm and put a lot of stop gaps in place, you know, like... Um, we had a lockbox. The checks only went to a lockbox. Um, we had we we had a payroll service. So all that resulted in a lot, a lot of good things happening for the company. We went to a whole different level. So I think breakdowns either you go to the next level or you don't make it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, which I actually am like kind of proud of, and I wanted to say, you know, my son at that time was living in Israel, and he was studying to be a rabbi. So the night the um, the uh, lawyer came with this bag of of accounts, uh, checks and stuff, and I realized I had was out $170,000, and I, I was actually in tears. I called my son. It was like midnight because it's 8 in the morning in Israel, and I called my son. I burst into tears. I told him what's happened, you know, and he... He was so, he was amazing, you know. He said, yeah, he says it's really terrible when someone you trust takes advantage and, you know, it's not, it's really, you know, not a terrible thing. And then he said, but he said, you know, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, God decides exactly how much money you're going to make. So you made the perfect amount of money. <sighs> and, and yeah, I felt a little better. And then he said, this is the clincher. He said, and you know... So everything's about elegant interpretation. He said, you know, sometimes God gives you uh, an embezzlement instead of a terrible disease like cancer or a heart attack. Mm. That was it. I was done. It was wow. like, I, I think I'm still healthy now because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was the greatest interpretation, and I let it go. I didn't have a grudge. I didn't get angry. I just said, I almost said, thank God I had the embezzlement. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, and that the breakthrough was so amazing. Piece is, the break, the breakdown piece is so important. We talk so much about that in our field too, and we've already here we are again, Sheila, at the break. So that was a perfect way to send us into the break and let people kind of stew on that while we while we do that. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We went on the air with Sheila Lieberman, who is the former founder and owner of RPH on the Go USA, a company that, when she sold it in June of 2008, was the largest pharmacist staffing company in the nation. Today, she's an independent health, wellness, and fitness professional. After the break, we'll talk more about her business and, and how she actually sold it and what she's up to today. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Sheila Leiberman, who is the former founder and owner of RPH on the Go USA, a company that when she sold it in June of 2008 was the largest pharmacist staffing company in the nation. Today, she enjoys using her healthcare knowledge and desire to help others realize good health in many ways, including a focus on bridging the gap between Western and holistic medicine. She joins us today from Evanston, Illinois, which is inside the Chicago area. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I promised our listeners, Sheila, that you would offer maybe some pearls of wisdom from those many years of experience. I think you have so much to share. I, I'm sure that there are people on the, fo- on the phone or on the airwaves listening because they wanted to hear about maybe how they can grow their own newly launched business or maybe they're trying to get their other business to the next level. What could you offer them that would maybe help them? Well, I think the, the first thing I would say is have a coach. Mm. People say they don't want to spend the money, but in the long run, it's very, very important to learn and grow. Every time your my business grew, and I think anybody's business grew, 5, 10, 15, if you have to grow. If you don't grow, the business doesn't keep growing because there's a different dynamics, there's a different way the business is. So I think that's really, really important. And to let go and trust, because that was a big thing that I had a hard time with. It wasn't until I grew, I ran the company initially, I had managers, I fired them all, they couldn't do the job like me. And then I finally got from my coach, and if I don't let go and trust, I can't grow this business, because I had to have someone do that. And so I had to work on my own internal growth, and that's when the people showed up that could help me grow the business because I let go. So I think that's really, really important. A lot of people are afraid, are afraid that they're not going to do as good a job and then 
they hold on to it all and they work their themselves, you know, silly or a lot, but they don't keep growing the business. So that would be the biggest advice. Okay, that is, of, of course, I completely applaud that and support both of those things. I, I completely, oh, that's just gorgeous in, it, in its simplicity, too. Um, okay, so the next thing I want to get to then is I want to get to, I mean, most people when they think about, I guess it depends, I guess, you, you were clearly running a business from your heart. Um, it was you probably in, in many ways, but you managed to sell it in 2008. I'm very curious to know how did the sale come about and what was it like for you to let the business go? Okay, so I had actually three opportunities to sell my business over over the 15, 20 years. That I mean, I had a 23 years, but over the years, three times companies wanted to buy my company, and sometimes the the day before I kibosh the deal, sometimes a week before they changed something, whatever it was. I feel like there was like a god or a higher power leading me. This last time, I got sick. I had a virus that was attacking my whole circulatory system in my heart, and it came about because of stress. I had 100 people in the office. I had about 2,000 pharmacists all over the country. And my, I guess when your adrenals get stressed, you get susceptible. So I was really sick. I couldn't work. I was, my blood pressure was going, like, really all over the place. And finally, in November of uh, 2007, I, I started, my, my natural doctor told me I had a virus attacking my circulatory system and my heart. 2007, in November, it, I, got, I went into atrial fib, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty scary when your heart like, feels like it's jumping out of your chest. Wow. And, and then I, I said, I said um, and I was sleeping 16 hours a day, I said, I gotta sell my business. What I believe is that God got me sick enough, and He planned this. It was all orchestrated like a year ago, because I got sick enough that I, I had to sell my business. This time I didn't have a choice. I couldn't kibosh the deal, <laughs> and so um, I was going to put it on the market, but in April after the first quarter. But in January, three companies started calling us. We didn't even put it on the market. And I had a friend that I really trusted, and he wrote up our offering agreement. He did all the negotiations. And by June of 2008, we sold the business. And the company that we sold it to was a $6 billion public company. And um, and so, um, let me think. And they were buying 40 companies a year. And we were the last one they bought, June of 2008. Mm. So I think it was all planned. And then top of it off, I had said that I would tithe 10% of the money to uh, my nephew who had a, uh, he was a rabbi, and he had a, a yeshiva, which is a school in Israel. And because of the crash here in America, people weren't paying anything. And so he was in desperate financial financial issues. So I just felt like, so I tithed 10% of our profit to him, our profit, our, uh, pro, our I tithed 10%. And I just felt like this was all planned. Like, I got sick, I, I got sick, God, God set it all up so I could sell my business 
just at the perfect time, got the best deal. I gave 10% to Aaron and, um, and there was something else. Um, anyway, and so, um, so that's what I feel like. I felt like I've been, I've been led in many ways a lot, you know, mm-hmm. that sometimes it doesn't look good, but I think that there's always a higher power that's leading me and leading, I think, most people, but I don't know how they, how they view it, but that's what I believe. That. Mm-hmm. It's and I felt like Aaron story. was doing this, I, I got what I was going to say, Aaron was doing this wonderful work with Youth at Risk, and I felt like that God was there wanting to take care of him because he was taking care of so many youth that needed help. So I feel it was all orchestrated by God over a year ago. That's mm-hmm. my belief. I get my it. My interpretation. I Who knows that. if it's true? But <laughs> well, you know what? It's true for you. And that's the important thing. And it's going back to what your son said, I forget how he put that about, what did he say Sometimes about God gives you a uh, terrible disease. And st- I mean, gives you an embezzlement instead of a terrible disease. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I th- anyway. It's all elegant me, interpretation. Right. What I know is that we as human beings are meaning makers. And, and, and you know, your connection to your faith and your spirituality that informs your experience, I, it's beautiful. And I, I think it's wonderful that that's your lens. And I can, I can completely see it from, your, from that lens, too when you talk about it. Totally see it that way. So yeah, it makes sense yeah, to me. it was amazing. Well, so what have you been doing with yourself since you sold the company? It's been, gosh, what, almost about well, nine years. Yeah. Um, well, the first couple of years, first three years, I probably did nothing. I, I still was not, I still was recuperating, and I pretty much lived in my workout clothes, went to the gym every day, didn't want to do anything with a commitment, not even an hour a week, <laughs> and um, wanted, I didn't want any stress, and I also uh, was working on, uh, after a year or so, I worked on getting off my medication, my uh, re- uh, prescription drugs. It actually took me about four years. I got off all my medicine um, and all my prescriptions. And I did mostly, I just took care of myself. I, I did become a laughter yoga instructor because I heard that let stress go, <laughs> things like that. I taught you laughter yoga eventually at the Y. Laughter and at yoga. all these times I was still working with my natural doctors. Okay. So I was still doing stuff, but that wasn't like stressful. You know, like my yeah. naturopath would come here from Texas and stay at my house and he'd test people in the house and I'd help with getting them the remedies and things like that. But... You know, I wasn't doing nothing, but I was basically pretty much low-key for at least three or four years. Okay, got it. Well, in this short little bit of time we have left here, would you just kind of give us like a thumbnail sketch of what you're up to? You are focused on helping people improve their health. What are you doing? Uh, well, I do do a talk, and it's it's called uh, uh, Understanding the Difference Between Western, Holistic, and Integrative Medicine, and I talk about my own path, how I came, came, I went from being a pharmacist who believed in prescriptions to learning about holistic through my life experiences and working with this natural doctor. And, and so when I do the talk, I talk about a lot of the healers that I work with, and a lot of people end up getting tested. Um, one of my healers helps people where the doctors don't have an answer. I mean, there's so many amazing stories of people that um, 
the doctors just have nothing, you know. Um, so I, I, and then I help people because of being my pharmacy background, I've helped people get off their prescription drugs. I have so many stories, but I know I don't have time, <laughs> you know. So um, that's what I could tell you, you know, that uh, was like I have, um, I had my, my, my niece who, had um, her eyesight changing every month, headache, 16 years old, couldn't hold food down, tingling in her fingers, every test under the sun from the doctors. And they said, uh, they called it a migraine of the stomach and gave her an antidepressant. No answer. Mm. I said, you got to get tested by Doug. She gets tested. He found a parasite in her adrenal gland, and the waste products were affecting everything in her body. Got some medicine. Headaches went away. Um, eyesight stabilized. She's fine. She's married now, has a baby. I mean, I'm going fast because I know we only have another. Yeah, we've just got one minute left for you. That's just one example. There's stories. I got tons of stories like that, and I and I have, and I know that I've helped so many people that mostly can't get answers from doctors. There's not too many people like Doug or some of the other people I've worked with. My vegan chef who he originally just would get food from, but he's a healing chef, and he's helped people with cancer. He's had people that he's cured of cancer, even stage 4 pancreatic cancer, with his food. He's amazing. Uh, yeah, and, I've heard um, these kind of stories before. We are so close yeah, out of time. I mean, I people to, hear I the stories, you, you know, really and then quick, they have Sheila. to keep it low-key. I mean, he doesn't even want to be known. Yeah, because Sheila, we're almost out of time. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't let you talk further about that because I want to get one last thing in really quick. Do you plan to retire? You are crazy. You've been at this for so long. Do you plan to retire? So I, I don't have any plans, but I do know that, um, that I don't know what life has in store for me and I don't know how long I'll be around. I'm alive. And, you know, I mean, maybe... Who knows? Maybe I'll live to 90, maybe maybe longer. But what I believe is that what's really important for me now is about being, not doing. You know, if I'm helping people, it's important. But I, I just believe that um, that I, I that I if I can I can. Um, Sheila, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cut you off. I'm sorry because I want to make sure they know how to find you. Um, I got the being versus doing. So, listeners, if you want to okay, get hold of this amazing woman, email her. Um, she is Sheila Liberman, and her email is Sheila Liberman at yahoo.com. S H E I L A L I B E R M A N at yahoo.com. Thank you so much. Um, wonderful to have you on the air, Sheila. See you next week. Remember that work is one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.